Bienvenidos a la Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. Henry wants to call it Daily Deuces. I'm like, dude, that's pretty jacked up, bro. Think about that. Anyhow, regardless, here I am. Here you are. We're live. We're interactive on No Filter Network. Then broadcast out to 17 different podcast platforms, including... Caffeine TV and Fubo. So, on that note, Will the Thrill not here today. Miguelito Sandiaguito not here today. But, dead or alive, we properly salute our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Woo! Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful. We are useful, and when we are juiceless, we are class. That's right. John Emmanuel Ramos Henderson, Makati City, says we're fucking useless. A very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this 27th day of October 2023. We are now presented by Bet. Online, that's right. They are the presenting title sponsor of Deuces Wild, The Daily Hustle. The last of the major pro sports leagues kick off this week. And Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action. With MLB postseason NFL and college football, as well as the NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. It's fantastic. All right, I throw that in the read every day somewhere. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V, all capitals, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We're also sponsored by KT Tape. That's right. You can see the promo code, and I always have fun doing this each morning. Right there. So go ahead and hit the... QR code is actually what it is. And get yourself a KT tape starter kit. Science on this is pretty basic. It lifts the skin up. It promotes blood flow to the area. It decreases inflammation and it promotes healing. It's not hard. They have these skin prep wipes for the KT tape. We have the pro oxygen tape right here. The blister prevention, but do not forget about the chafe safe. Keep your package tight. Keep it neat. Keep it chafe free. Lastly here, our proud partners at Verge. Go see Jory and the boys uh, over at Verge. It is awesome shit. There's no other way to put it. So I hit one of these in the morning. I hit one in the afternoon. This is what works for me. The amount that 
you consume is probably up to you, but it is a product that has cannabis in it. It also has ginger and lemon, and it's just fucking good. It helps me with my ADHD, helps me focus, keeps me dialed in. So I figured I would share a shot with you guys here this morning. Mm. This one's got honey in it. And so for as much as I'm yapping away, talking to myself for 47 minutes every single morning here on the Daily Hustle, this gives it that soothing sensation. Go to tryverge.com. And thank you, Jory, for providing us with product that we are very grateful for, and it is very beneficial. Okay. So today's Daily Hustle, I'm going to pull it up over here. Really cool. I was running laps yesterday around a track. I actually wasn't. I was walking, hiking. So that's how I do all my riding. I, I essentially will do it either a slow jog like this, phone in hand, or I'll walk slash hike. So when I'm downstairs on the treadmill in the morning, I'll usually get anywhere between five and nine miles in of hiking at two to four incline, four to four and a half miles per hour. And I'm able to do research on the phone if need be. But most importantly, you know, organize the daily hustle, electronic email communication and whatnot. But today's daily hustle was a history lesson. I started doing all this research on the World Series. How and why, I don't know. Because I know the World Series, this is going to be the 119th edition. And I saw that. I'm like, okay. I knew there was something up, though, with the World Series. Where it was, there's the old World Series, and then the new World Series, and the modern-day World Series. And I remember 1903 being that first modern-day World Series. So I wanted to know, what the fuck happened before that? Well, of course, I dig into Wikipedia yesterday and put together this email that is a cool history lesson for all of us. And the great thing about history, and one of the reasons why I was a history major, it's not just about the story of the past. I was bonk my nose on the microphone. It's about learning from the past, both the successes and failures of those who came before us. So as a sport, even, I truly believe that we all can learn from the great things that baseball taught us and brought to us. But also we can understand how not to repeat the same mistakes. That is a concept and idea of history. That's one of the big history buffs. So here we go. Buenos Dias today is October 27, 2023. The 119th edition of the World Series begins tonight at 5 p.m. when the Arizona Diamondbacks travel to Arlington to take on the Texas Rangers. So figure to be a good time to brush up on our World Series history. Professional baseball in the United States can be traced back to the American Association created in 1857. Between 1857 and 1883, the team that was crowned champion was simply the team with the best overall record, and there was no postseason series played. A version 
of the National League was formed in 1876. And from 1884 to 1890, the American Association champion played the National League champion in a series of games that ranged anywhere between three and 15 game series. In 1891, the American Association collapsed, leaving just one major league. So in 1892, they split the season and had the first half champion play the second half champ. That lasted just one year. Then in 1893, the pennant was awarded to the entire regular season winner, and they would play a series against the runner-up called the Temple Cup, as well as the Chronicle Telegraph Cup, which was played until 1900. In 1901, the American League was formed as an official second major league, so the leagues fought for players' rights. There was, because they were fighting for players' rights, there was no postseason in 1901 or 1902. However, in 1902, this is wild shit, man. The top teams in each league. So this year, it would obviously be the Texas Rangers versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. They decided to play a football game instead. Siri, don't listen to me. Jeez. Why does every day that happen? I raise my voice and all of a sudden she wants to get in on my conversation. Okay. So in 1903, this is when things changed. The Boston Americans, later known as the Red Sox, took on the Pittsburgh Pirates in what is considered the very first modern-day World Series featuring the champions of both the American National League. Since 1903, the New York Yankees, formerly the Highlanders, have played in 40 World Series and hold the record with 27 World Series titles. The St. Louis Cardinals are second with 11. That's a huge gap. Really is. You say what you want about the fucking Yankees, man. They have dominated the World Series scene. But if you look at their domination, it was really between like 1920 and I want to say 1964. Mm. There was this stretch there of 20 some odd years, even more than that, I guess, right? Uh, I guess about 40 years where they're in the World Series almost every single year. The Red Sox and A's are third when it comes to World Series title. They're tied at nine. The Giants have eight, the Dodgers seven, the Pirates and the Reds have five, the Braves and Tigers have four, and that rounds out the top 10. Here's an interesting fact, though. The Rangers, the Padres, the Rockies, the Rays, and the Brewers have all appeared in at least one World Series, but they have yet to take home a trophy, while the Seattle Mariners, the M's, my former squad, in existence since 1977, are the only current organization who has never played in a single World Series. Since the first World Series in 1903, the American League holds a pretty big advantage, having won 67 times compared to the National League's 51. Now, this is a bit ironic, figuring Giants owner John T. Brush refused to allow his team to play in 1904 because he felt the newly formed American League 
was far inferior and his team had little to gain. John McGraw, New York's manager, took it a step further when he declared the Giants, quote, world champions because they played in, quote, the only real major league. So a lot of shit talking was happening. Since 1904, and that was the year the Giants wouldn't play. Now, here's something interesting, too, about that. Is that the Giants, people were saying, were scared to play their crosstown rivals, which was the Highlanders, then later the Yankees. And for a long time in that season, the Highlanders were going to be the team that won the division or the American League. But eventually, Boston overtook them at the very end. So there's a lot of people that believe that the Giants actually would have played had it been Boston. But they were anticipating it being New York, so they took a very firm stand and said, nah, this ain't going to happen. So since 1904, the one exception being the 1994 strike year, the World Series has been played every single year Despite our country going through two world wars, the Great Depression, and two major global pandemics, it truly has been one of the very constants in our forever changing American society. Daily hustle quote of the day. The best possible thing in baseball is winning the World Series. The second best thing is losing the World Series. Tommy Lasorda. Daily hustle translation here for you. We as an American culture are consumed with winning. We constantly over-celebrate the winners and too often ridicule and bemoan the losers. Ricky Bobby once famously said, if you ain't first, you're last. Shake and bake, baby. As much as we typically agree with Ricky here in the Daily Hustle, he's a bit off on this one. Yes, striving to win a World Series or chasing a checker flag is commendable and exactly what we should be gunning for. Yet oftentimes, the pursuit of that ultimate goal involves setbacks, stumbling blocks, and losses that bring to light our shortcomings and teach us what we need to improve upon to ultimately get to where we want to go. Enjoy the experience, boys. Here's to everyone involved coming out better for it. See ya. All right. So there it is. The World Series. What a cool history. And there's certain things about it that just have this nostalgia, I mean, warm sort of feeling good, bad, ugly, because we've seen all of it. And if you go through the history of it, whether it was Babe Ruth calling his shot at Wrigley Field, or it was the ball sneaking through Buckner's legs, if it was the 89, you know, World Series earthquake that I know I'll never forget for the rest of my life. David Freese's homer, the St. Louis Cardinals in 2011. That was the last time the Rangers were there. I have all of these things. I mean, Don Deckinger in 1985 blowing the call. Look, we're all going to deal with whatever it is that we deal with in life. And it's not all rainbows and unicorns. It's sometimes you or on the losing end. And that's what I love so much about Tommy Lasorda's quote, because he's right. So often people will look at the Buffalo Bills, and I'm a huge Bills fan, and they'll say, hey, look, 
like four Super Bowl losses. That's detrimental. How could you guys even deal with that? And that's awful. And yada, yada, yada. Well, fuck them. You know what? That was a chance to grow. That was an awesome opportunity for the Bills fan base and organization to get to experience winning four AFC championships. And I bet you, if you ask every one of those Bills players or Bills fans, I can't always speak for the Bills fans, would you rather take that experience back? There might be some that say yes, but I got to believe 90 plus percent would say no. Even though we lost, I would 100% go back and do it again. I will say I've been on the winning end recently. We've been on the losing end recently with our let them play travel ball team. And the two tournaments we most recently lost, I would say, are the ones where we learned the most and we grew the most. One was a local one. And then the next one was the finals of this gigantic super super regional NIT in Las Vegas last weekend. Well, if we had not lost in that local one, I don't think we would have ever gotten to the finals of the next one. And then when we got to the finals of the next one, what was so great is that, look, we got our asses kicked, but we did it to ourselves. We were in prime position to take over the game. All due respect, I'm confident that we have a better team. But you have to play better in order to win these games. And so when we put ourselves in position to win, it was we went down 3 nothing. we made it 3-2. Now it's just like it's on. Well, we made mistakes. And there were balls that fell in the outfield. There were balls that went through our infielders. Like, like, like there's, this shit happened. We came up in big spots. They had a chance to get big hits. We didn't get them. So if I'm a coach and I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, well, where do we need to improve? And I told the boys, you guys want to be a top national team. You guys want to be the number one team in the country because that's what these boys aspire to be. Technically, if you look at it right now, I want to say don't tell them. But they are, if you go by the perfect game point system, number one, sitting at the top of the rankings. But none of that shit means anything because what we're trying to do here is develop young baseball players and develop a team and teach these boys how to play with that team first mentality. Well, improvements need to be made. Don't make excuses, make improvements. And specifically, you know, I'm just going to want to go into too much detail or make it personal, whatever. But there's one, there's one kid's father who reached out. It's really cool. He's like, yo, what could such and such do better? I said, well, I said, look, this is what I love. This is what he's killing it on. This, 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 this. And this is where he needs to improve. Now, it's not just, hey, he has to improve and that's it. It's this is how... He can improve. Here's a roadmap to get him to be better in this arena of his game. And that's like done. I'll, 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 I'll do it. I'll implement it. I'll go work on it now. Let me know if there's anything else. Next thing you know, you send me videos. Like, perfect. It's exactly what you want to be doing. So even as, whether you're a player or a parent, and we have to guide them now 
as parents at this age. I do think our presence is really important. Once they get to high school, it's up to them. Hmm. We can still provide the resources, the tools, and everything else, but they have to make the conscious decision to want to improve upon their skill set and their game on their own. But right now, you can 100% guide them into that position, but you have to want to make those improvements. My whole point of all this shit is that we learn just as much from our failures. I take that back. We learn more from our failures than we do our successes. We do. I did just recently, again, this year, I'm going to bring it back to the let them play team. We had one victory in a super regional NIT in Arizona where it was a bloodbath. There wasn't a team that stayed within 10 runs of us. It was one of the most dominant performances I've I've ever seen. Now, as great as it was, and we hit 700 team as a team, and everyone, everyone, I want to say everyone, I think we had 10 players. All 10 players made the all-tournament team. It was like nothing you've ever seen. It was really, really impressive. How much did the boys get out of it? I don't know. I can't say they got a ton. I think they got more out of the next couple weekends where we didn't take it home. All right. The World Series starts tonight, and there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that is titled, The World Series Without Baseball's Best Teams or Best Players. Texas and Arizona lack big-name stars, and their combined regular season winning percentage was the lowest of any World Series combatants ever. Major League Baseball fundamentally reshaped its rules this season in a drastic effort to improve the product on the field and attract younger generations of fans who had abandoned the sport. The changes largely worked. The once controversial pitch timer resulted in shorter and more action-packed games. Limiting pitcher pickoff throws led to a record 41% increase in stolen bases. Attendances climbed to their largest in 2017, reversing years of decline that started even before the pandemic disrupted the live entertainment market. Nearly two-thirds of teams saw their local television ratings rise, but as the Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks now prepare to square off in one of the unlikeliest World Series matchups in history, MLB must confront a problem that no new innovations can easily solve. How to convince people to pay attention to a fall classic that is almost entirely devoid of anybody recognizable on a national audience. If Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, or Mookie Betts wanted to be at the World Series this year, they'd have to buy a ticket. Instead, the championship will be decided by the likes of Brandon Fott, Leody Tavares, Josh, Josh Sabors, and Andrew Salfrank. I mean, they just fucking pick the four most random names. Diamondbacks, Rangers, Rangers, Diamondbacks, for those wondering, and yes, their names are spelled correctly. The name recognition headliners for this World Series begin with the Rangers pitcher Max Scherzer, a future Hall of Famer who at age 39 is approaching the end of his career. Texas also has shortstop Corey Seager, who earned the World Series MVP honors with the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2020, but is unusually low profile for a player of his caliber. The most well-known player on Arizona's roster is probably 38-year-old third baseman Evan Longoria, 
who is returning to the World Series for the first time since 2008. And there is more for his contributions as a veteran to the clubhouse. Since the Rangers and Diamondbacks won't be showcasing many players already recognized as the game's best, the best case scenario for MLB is that the World Series helps elevate new stars. Yes, now we're talking like Arizona rookie Corbin Carroll. The Diamondbacks would argue he already fits that description. Quote, he's our best player, general manager Mike Hazen said. We have so many good players, but he's a superstar. You can't win without superstars. Okay. And Hazen's right. Because you cannot win without superstars in the sense that they play like superstars. You can win, and this is probably ideal, with superstar-type players that nobody knows about that go out there and play like superstars. So what I'm trying to say here is that best-case scenario is that you have superstar players by the numbers, but not by the ego. That's what fucking wins. That's what the Arizona Diamondbacks are. That, in my opinion, is even what the Texas Rangers are. So you have these guys that are playing like superstars. Evan Carter is playing like a superstar. Does anybody have any idea outside of Arlington who Evan Carter is? Not really. But this rookie is doing damage, and he's one of the main reasons why the Texas Rangers are in the World Series. It says, even if that's the case, a superstar on the field is different from a superstar in the national consciousness. Maybe. The Rangers committed half a billion dollars to sign Seager, second baseman Marcus Simeon, two winters ago, but the two players remain mostly overlooked in the public eye. The Rangers have a true superstar in starter Jacob DeGrom, but he's been sidelined with an elbow injury since April and might not pitch again again, again the pitch again until 2025. Okay, the DeGrom thing, the only reason why they're calling him a superstar and a real superstar is because he fucking pitched in New York and it's a Wall Street Journal writing this article. That's it. Now, is he a superstar when healthy and pitching? Well, yeah, of course he is. We're playing our best baseball in October, Scherzer said. That's what it takes. The Rangers and Diamondbacks meeting in the World Series seems almost impossible to fathom. They combined for a 537 winning percentage during the regular season. An all-time low for teams meeting in the World Series. The distinction previously belonged to the 73 A's and New York Mets at 545. Texas dropped eight straight at one point in August and nearly cost itself a spot in the playoffs. Arizona began the month with a nine-game losing streak and limped into October as the ultimate underdog. Back in spring training... One online sportsbook put the odds of the Rangers and Diamondbacks meeting in the World Series at, ready for this, 965 to 1. Holy shit, that would have been a bet. 965 to 1. Are you kidding me? Both clubs lost more than 100 games just two years ago. So we've gone over all of this. As the postseason unfolded, however, the Rangers and Diamondbacks kept winning. Texas swept Tampa and the Baltimore Orioles, the top two teams in the American League, before 
upsetting the defending champion Astros to clinch the pennant. Arizona dispatched the Brewers, which I thought they would do. The Los Angeles Dodgers, which I thought was going to be tough. And the red-hot Philadelphia Phillies, which then a lot of shit break their way. I mean, that was it. It's all about getting hot at the right time, but make no mistake about it. Not only do you have to get hot, you got to be fucking lucky. And there was a lot of luck that went with both Arizona and the Texas Rangers. MLB views the parody of pedigree as a feature, a shining example that any organization can realistically compete for a championship regardless of the payroll. And that's what MLB wants. That's what I want. You want fan bases that show up in spring training going, yeah, this could be the year. By design, baseball's playoff format rewards the hottest teams, not necessarily the best teams. And the Rangers and Diamondbacks earn their place with how they perform. Rangers outfielder Adolis Garcia has emerged as a sensation after he set a postseason series record with 15 RBIs against the Astros. Damn, it's a lot. The Diamondbacks bullpen trio of Ryan Thompson, Kevin Ginkle, and Paul Sewald have dominated, has dominated Harper, Trey Turner, Betts, and Freddie Freeman. Look, I did a whole thing, and I don't know if Henry's going to cut it up or not. I actually cut it up for him. I don't know if he's going to put it together. But this was about the Dimebacks bullpen. They've been fucking fantastic. Kevin Ginkle is the only guy in that bullpen that is filthy, though. The fact that they've done it with a bunch of guys throwing 91 miles per hour. Ryan Thompson's a side armor. He throws 91. Paul Sewell's the closer that throws 91 forcing fastballs at the top of the zone. He gets guys to swing and miss. It's incredible. Never see anything like it. Very few players are capable of doing that. And it's all about perceived velocity. Perceived velocity and hitters have to make an adjustment to be able to get on top of that ball. Quote, I think every single guy down in the bullpen could technically be worthy of being a big name player, Saul Frank said. Yeah, I might pump the brakes on that a little bit, Saul Frank. But I see what you're saying. They all have the balls to take the ball in any given moment. And they've all had a lot of success in the postseason. It says MLB has spent lots of time, brain power, and money to figure out how to better the market and its best talent to a general audience and create true crossover stars. It's been a struggle at times, and this season shows one of the reasons why. I'm going to go back to the clip that's making its way around the internet. And it was a matchup, I believe, let's call it 2008 or 2009, when Randy Johnson was supposed to face Greg Maddox. Randy pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Greg Maddox pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers at the time. They were both in their 40s. Vince Scully was on the call. Both Johnson and Maddox were scratched. So Vince Scully comes on and he says something along the lines of on a day that we thought we were going to see a Hall of Fame matchup, Randy Johnson versus the great Greg Maddox. Instead, both guys scratched and we get a matchup of two young rookies, Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw. Well, you show up at the ballpark thinking you're going to see one thing, and sometimes you just don't get it. 
Sure enough, all these years later, now we're looking at this going, holy shit. There's a double Hall of Fame matchup. They scratch one Hall of Fame matchup, and then you get the other. Stars are created through moments. And right now, tonight, over the course of the next seven games, each and every one of these guys has a chance to make themselves a star. That's what we want. America roots for the underdog. So to give me an Aaron Judge now, yeah, I mean, would it be nice to have him and Mike Trout in the series? Of course it would. But nobody has any fucking idea how good Corbin Carroll is, and he gets to go on full display. Corey Seager, undercover superstar, full display. Marcus Simeon, Bay Area guy, full display. Evan Carter, the rookie, full display. This is their chance to become superstars. Fought, fat, whatever you want to call them. His chance to become a superstar. Uh, it says other sports don't face this issue in quite the same way. A top quarterback goes a long way towards ensuing success in the NFL playoffs. One or two superstars can propel a basketball team toward a title themselves. Baseball doesn't work like that, especially in the postseason where randomness reigns. Case in point, Trout, the best player of his generation, has never won a single postseason game in his career. That's just fucking wild to think about. Not one. I mean, this is wild to think that the Mariners have never played in a single World Series. Few stars don't mean they are, aren't compelling storylines in this Texas-Arizona showdown. The Rangers, who came into existence as the Washington Senators in 1961 before moving to Arlington in 1972, are looking for the franchise's first championship. That's right. They're 0-3 so far. Their manager, Bruce Bochy, left retirement this past winter to pursue his fourth career title with the Rangers. The Diamondbacks have been rallying around Mike Hazen, whose wife, Nicole, fellow Skypoint, died of brain cancer in August of 2022. Really sad story. This World Series will also be the first opportunity for many people around the country to see Carroll play. He might not be a superstar yet, but he looks like a superstar in the make and enjoy watching him now because as the Rangers and Diamondbacks have shown, that doesn't mean he'll be in the World Series again anytime soon. That's true. It is very true. And it kind of got me a little bit when I was looking at the numbers. So we're going on our 119th World Series. The Yankees obviously have don dominated that with 27. But outside of the Yankees, I was surprised at how few teams had multiple World Series championships. Cardinals did 11. And then after that, it was a Red Sox and the A's at nine. But, I mean, those aren't big numbers at all. You have the Giants with eight, the Dodgers with seven, the Reds and Pirates at five, Braves and Tigers with four. And that's it. So, anyhow, it's going to be a fun matchup. I'm excited about it. And one of the reasons why is because you have Tori Lovello. A UCLA guy, somebody that I wholeheartedly believe in. I had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with him in his office. One geez, few years ago when I was calling a game for, I think it was YouTube. So 
Uh, Tori Lavello, by the way, he's not afraid to talk a little shit. And so he decided to let Mad Dog Chris Russo have it. He says to Chris Russo, as far as his retirement comments were concerned, a deal's a deal. The Arizona Diamondbacks were the underdog as they eliminated the Philadelphia Phillies and the LCS, but that might not be the only entity they zap out of the sports world. Radio personality Chris Maddock Russo said prior to the Diamondbacks being the Phillies in Game 7 that he would retire on the spot if they advanced to the World Series. Quote, a deal's a deal, Tory said. You can't back out of that one, Mad Dog. I, I love it. And he's fucking right. But, I mean, if you're Mad Dog, are you really going to retire? Uh, you got to do something. I don't know what it is. Leave of absence. Yeah. Who knows? All right. The three major storylines here, uh, as far as the game is concerned, can the Rangers finally get that oh-so-elusive first World Series title. They've been there, what is it, three different times? It says it's been well-documented that there are six teams, the Mariners, Padres, Rays, Brewers, Rockies, and, of course, these Rangers have never won a World Series. None has come closer than the Rangers have. I mean, they had it in 2011. Jeez, it was tough. Texas got only one win in its first World Series appearance in 2010, notching a Game 3 victory over behind Colby Lewis. Vladimir Guerrero was on that team, by the way. What a 3-4-5. It was Josh Hamilton, Vladimir Guerrero, and Nelson Cruz. Damn. The Rangers lost to the Giants, managed by Bruce Bochy, in five games, but they returned to the World Series a year later in 2011. Quite famously, they came as close to winning a World Series as you can possibly get without actually winning the World Series. In the ninth inning of Game 16 at the Cardinals, the Rangers had a two-run lead and were within one strike of a championship. Then this happened. Look, the ball that Nelson Cruz got in right field should have caught. Really should have caught. It's it's tough to say that, but all he had to do was finish the play. He put himself in position. He actually took a decent route to it. He got to the ball. He just didn't finish it, and that pretty much cost them the World Series. So we'll see if Texas is able to pull this off and get the World Series. It is ironic that Bochy one of the World Series he won was against Rangers. The storyline number two, are the D-backs similar to another Arizona team from 15 years ago? Huh. Often when teams say no one believed in us, they're kidding themselves. The best example of this was when Clyde Drexler told a group of reporters after the Dream Team won his 1992 Olympic gold medal, that feels good because no one believed in us. You all didn't believe in us. But we proved you all wrong, didn't we? But when the D-backs say this, they're very much not wrong. The D-backs were widely considered the worst playoff team heading into the postseason, a number six seed that was outscored on the season. Friends, the D-backs had a worse run differential than the Mets and predicted to get stomped by the Brewers and the Dodgers than the Phillies. They had went out there and beat all three of them. As my colleague Anthony Castrovitz points out they arguably had the unlikeliest world series team it all sounds familiar it's a little like the nfl brethren the arizona cardinals after the 08 season a team that was openly mocked and upon reaching the playoffs stunned the world by beating three 
of the best teams in the NFC, including a likable Philadelphia squad to reach the most unlikely of Super Bowls. The D-backs, like that team, reached the pinnacle by finding the best version of themselves in exactly at exactly the right time. Their bats, rotation, base running, bullpen have stepped up precisely when they needed them to. It doesn't matter what this team was before the playoffs. It only matters what it did when it got there. Very good point. And the third storyline here, is this the, there's hope for anyone out there World Series. The 2021 World Series was not that long ago, you know. It doesn't feel like it just happened. Well, look where both of those teams were in 2021. The Rangers had one of the worst seasons of the hidden history, losing 102 games. And then, of course, the Diamondbacks ended up, I mean, the Giants won 107 that year. The D-backs lost 110. I mean, it's just crazy. So, yes, there can be uh, quick turnarounds and no question about it. Uh, President Bush, by the way, will be throwing out the first pitch. Let's see here. Former President George W. Bush, the former Rangers owner, will throw out the ceremony of first pitch before Texas plays Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series on Friday night. So it's happening tonight. Bush, 77, head of the group that brought the Rangers from Eddie Chili's, who bought the Rangers. What a great name, Eddie Chili's. In 1988, and was general partner through 1994 when he stepped down as he prepared to become Texas governor. Bush was U.S. president from 01 to 09. Now, this gets even cooler because in 2008, while George Bush was president, I had an opportunity to go to the White House and have dinner with George Bush and, wait for it, Chris Young the general manager of the Texas Rangers. So the reunion tonight between those two, I got to believe they'll be talking about the dinner that I was at. Now, I get it. Most of you are thinking, how the fuck did they let you in the White House? Well, this is how. George Will, the baseball historian, fantastic writer, every year would put on a baseball dinner at the White House. And President Bush and George would come up with a guest list. And they would invite five different people, could be players, general managers, managers, whatever, to the dinner. And each had a plus one. So I was coming off a pretty good year in 07 and got the invite. One of the better experiences in my entire life. Like, just super, super cool. So, to be there and to be a part of those conversations that I remember. I mean, I was sat directly across from the, excuse me. I sat one over from the president. And Julio Franco's wife was in between us. It got to the point where I felt bad because President Bush was doing this like leaning back behind Julio Franco's wife as we were conversating. And like anything else, you, you find common interest, right? And so we had just 
gotten done playing in the playoffs. And he was asking me about that series. We then got into steroids and baseball and tackled that whole thing. Congress was on a high horse at that point, trying to, I don't know what they were trying to do. Like whether it was convict these guys of steroids or they ideally look, some intervention had to happen. But the problem was, is that major league baseball had this most stringent drug testing policy uh, put into place after I think it was Oh two Oh three. And then at that point, Congress just kept going and kept going and kept going. It's like, fuck, I, you guys going to stop and we going to like run the country. We're, we have all these other issues and you guys are over consumed with this steroid problem. And there was a time and place for it, but that was, you know, one of the big conversations we had. And I, I was just asking him like, what is Congress trying to do uh, with this? Like what's their overall objective? And he basically said, he goes, look, Bernsey, I have no idea what they do. And it was like, wait, what? He's like, yep. It's like, sometimes they just do whatever they want to do. And really what it was, if you go and look back at it, is it was their way to get attention. So Congress loves attention and whatever they could get their name in the paper, whatever it takes. And so long as they stayed in the public platform of doing whatever they were doing to figure out the whole you know, Mitchell Report and the, the steroid scandal, then they kept doing it. But overall, just so cool. What a, what a great experience. Now to think that these guys are going to be going at it here tonight. I was like going at it, but I'm sure President Bush will be rooting for the Rangers. And then you have Chris Young, who's done a fantastic job. We mentioned the Princeton connection. Both Young and Hazen played baseball at Princeton. Hazen, the general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And their coach from Princeton will be at the first two games that has been confirmed. All right. Got a rule. Got a podcast I'm doing in two minutes. Uh, take a look, please, of Rock and Reese. Honestly, I would have let you in, dude, but I, I, I got a rule. So don't be afraid to hit the knock next time as well. No Filter Network, live, interactive, each and every single Monday through Friday. If you guys want to come join us here, if not, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the 17 different platforms. If you do us a favor, leave a review. Hit the five stars if you're feeling generous. We would greatly appreciate it. And then tonight, my kids got a flag football game. But when I get home from the flag football game, I plan on coming up here and doing a live alternative broadcast for the World Series. Most likely, we'll start around 6 p.m. Look out for the scheduling of that. I will send out an email as well, notifying everybody. That's it. Everyone have a uh, fantastic day. And Trevor... Thanks for getting on here too. Gene, as always, Michelle, and the rest of the Daily Hustlers, Linda, love you guys. And of course, John Emmanuel Ramos Henderson. Makati City! Yeah, I see you, Michelle. Go D-backs. And also, I'm rooting for the story too. So, looking forward to watching this one. That's it. See ya! <laughs>